0: bibles to judges chapter 14 judges chapter 14 and we're going to look at verses five through nine this evening and it's uh, samson's spiritual separation or you want to look at it as samson the spiritual rebel whatever however you want to entitle it but verses five through nine here record for us two trips that Samson and his parents took to Timnah. Now you've heard me use Timnath or Timnah. They're, they're both the same place, but I'm using Timnah because it's shorter or easier to remember. But anyway, it records two trips that Samson and his parents took to Timnah to bring about the marriage of Samson to his uh, Philistine heartthrob who lived there in Timnah. The first trip that Samson and his parents made to Timnah was to make the wedding arrangements. The trip would involve his parents, of course, and himself, but his parents talking to the girl's parents about her marrying Samson and then also paying a dowry to the girl's parents. The second trip that Samson made to Timnah was for the marriage feast, and that was the time to make his marriage ceremony official. Let's begin now in chapter 14 with verse 5 and verse 7. And so it says in verse 5, So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. Verse 7. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. And if you picked up on it, On both trips, Samson, it says, went down. He went down. And in verse 1 of chapter 14, we read, he went down to Timnah. So, three times, and I always encourage people, I mean, they're just two words. Underline them. Because when you look at those words, went down, it will remind you of what it means, what happens. And how many times that will happen when you separate yourself spiritually from God and his word. And so three times in the first seven verses, talking about Samson's trip to Timnah, it says he went down. And now this speaks, now here it speaks specifically of a geographical going down, going down towards, again, Timnah. Because going down... Speaks mainly of the geographic situation. Because to go from Zorah, Samson's hometown, to Timnah, which was the home of the Philistine girlfriend, Samson's pathway would have to go down the Rocky Mountain Gorges to get there. But we must not take these geographic references lightly or unmeaningful. Because they really do have spiritual importance. When you look at what he's doing, here the spiritual implication is pretty clear. Samson's moral and spiritual pathway was downward, just like his geographic pathway. And the threefold mention of going down or went down powerfully drives home this truth. The threefold references to the downward path of Samson in his disobedience, it reminds us of the threefold reference to the downward path, remember, of the prophet Jonah? When he rebelled against God and would not go to Tarshish? Because of Jonah's disobedience of not going to Tarshish, remember we read Jonah went down to Joppa. Then he went down to the bottom of the ship. That was headed to Tarshish. Then he went down to the bottom of the sea. Just a continual downward life. As in the case here with Samson. The repeated reference to Jonah's going down. Was to drive home the point of the downwardness of the path of Jonah's rebellion to the will of God. It was to impress upon our minds the fact that rebellion to God leads only in one direction. Down. Down. And even though the path of God, rebellion, uh, even though the path of God itself, you know, uh, rebellion only leads you down. And we still might gain some, de- though we might still gain some desired worldly, you know, prizes that the world has to offer. Now, like Samson, we might enjoy some pleasures. And, and, and we might, you know, achieve some great, you know, physical exploits, achievements. We might become popular. We might gain possessions. We might obtain some political position and power. But you know what? We're still going down, down, down. And if we don't wake up and we don't come to our senses and change the direction of our life, one day we'll find ourselves at the bottom and not the top. And there will be no way of escape. And I've said it before, but one of the, the, probably the worst judgments of God is to allow you to go where you're headed because we won't change our direction. We won't obey the will of God. And so to avoid such a disaster, we need to put the measuring rod of the Word of God on our lives to see just what direction we're going. Only the Word of God will be accurate in telling us this information. Now the world, it definitely can't be trusted to tell us us which direction we're going. Because they'll, they'll tell us that we're moving up when we're actually going down. They'll, they'll, it's like they can, they'll arrange the scenery that we see around us and, and, and the comments that we hear, they'll, they'll, they'll fix them, arrange them in such a way so that uh, it, it seems that we're, that we're going up and not down when we're rebelling against God. So if we want to really know whether or not we're going up or down, we'll have to measure our lives by the faithful, trustworthy Word of God. You want to know what's right? Read the Word of God. You want to know what's wrong? Read the Word of God. You, know, you want to know which way you're going, if it's right or wrong? Read the Word of God. It's the measuring rod for everything that we do in our life. Both Samson and Jonah, in the beginning, they, they appeared to be successful in, in, in what they were doing, in their rebellious pursuits. But God's Word continually reported that their behavior was going down. And it was just a matter of time that proved what God said. Not the rebellious of these two men of old. All right? Not their behavior. So it will be the same for us too. Not just them, but it will also do the same for us. It will tell us what direction we're going. But they do have spiritual importance. Because here the spiritual implication is clear. Samson's moral... And spiritual pathway was down. It was down, just as was his geographical pathway going down. And on both trips to Timnah, Samson started walking with his parents. But after a while, he left them. And he took a slight detour. Now, a lot of times when we take a detour from the pathway of God, we might say, ah, it was no big deal. It was just a slight detour. But don't take those detours lightly. Samson, like I said, started walking with his parents to Timnah. But after a while, he took this detour through the forbidden vineyards of Timnah. Look at verse 8 now. It says, After some time, when he returned to get her, he, tur- Notice, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion and behold a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion now this shows his 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 own self-serving ways leaving his parents <clears throat> it says he took it, he went aside <clears throat> leaving his parents so that he could take this trip through the forbidden vineyards it shows two evil practices of a rebel first what it, what did it show it showed his discourtesy to his parents He was pretty disrespectful. Now see, he needed his parents on this trip, and that's why they're going. He needed his parents to go to Timnah so that they could make the necessary arrangements for the marriage. Now without them, he couldn't get married. They, his parents, took the time out of their own lives to make the trip to Timnah for him. So he could have at least shown his appreciation by walking with them all the way. The second evil that we see when he you know, took that detour, left his parents alone, was his disregard for his vow to God. His disregard for, for God. That is, in, in going to the vineyards. Samson was a Nazarite. And one of the laws of a Nazarite was to stay away from the fruit of the vine. Listen to Numbers chapter 6, verse 3. Speaking of a Nazarite. It says, he, the Nazarite, shall separate himself from wine and similar drink. He shall drink neither vinegar made from wine nor vinegar made from similar drink. Neither shall he drink any grape juice nor eat fresh grapes or raisins. All right, so again, he he separates from his parents in order to walk through the vineyards of Timnah. Now, okay, we just read what Numbers 3, 6 said. So it seems like walking through those vineyards, what's the big deal? All right? You know, it it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. But when you read this verse, it makes it a big deal. And that's the thing that we need to keep in mind. When we read the scriptures, now it may not seem like a big deal to us, but God says what he says to us for a reason. We need to consider his infinite wisdom. We need to consider that God sees ahead of us. He goes before us, the Bible says. He knows who we are, and he knows our weaknesses, and he says, don't do that. Don't go there. Because, you see, if the fruit, if the fruit of the vine is off limits, God is, God is really saying something without being specific. If the fruit of the vine is off limits, then the temptation, notice, to eat grapes or raisins is a very real possibility. I mean, you know, you're walking through the grapevine, you're walking through vineyards, and there's these beautiful, delicious-looking grapes. You're going to walk through that vineyard, tell me, without picking a few of those grapes and eating them? The slightest temptation... It sounds like no big deal. Oh, I can handle that. But here's Samson. He walks through this forbidden vineyard. So, again, the temptation to eat grapes or raisins is a very real possibility. So it seems wise to stay away from the vineyards. And see, that's, again, that's God's wisdom. Because we're not good at looking and considering temptation because, again, it won't happen to me i won't do that i have standards you might but god is much more powerful when he comes to i'm sorry satan is much more powerful in his temptations than we think he is that's what happens though when somebody is spiritually separated from the laws of god he will flirt with disaster how many people you know maybe you i know even my own self how many people you know flirt with disaster and 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 then they end up end up indulging themselves how many people got started you know or or became an alcoholic because they thought oh a drink or two won't hurt me or they got you know hooked on drugs because they thought oh well you know I, i do this socially but again and then and then people get strung out That's what happens again when someone is spiritually separated from the laws of God. They will flirt with disaster, and then they will end up taking part in that. If he's going to marry, that is, think of it, if if Samson's going to marry this forbidden woman, this Philistine girl, the Philistines were the the constant enemies of Israel. So if he's going to marry this, this Philistine girl, this forbidden woman, he probably wouldn't hesitate to eat the grapes and the raisins. Because you see, when you start moving away from the standards of God, each time it comes easier and easier and you go further and you fur- go further until it's no big deal. It just starts with a little thing, maybe eating a raisin. And so again, it, that's what happens when you, when, when you drift even the slightest distance from the ways of God, from the, from the word of God. Then there's the danger of not obeying the laws of God. Look at verse 5. So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. Here's another danger with, with spiritual separation. It's full of many potential problems. You do not know what lies ahead on that detour. And I remember, and I probably told this story before, but Kathy and I had gone to Oregon one time, and we wanted to get to the coast. And yet it was a long way to get to the coast from where we were, so we were looking for shortcuts on the map. And I looked on the map, and I saw this, and you you see these little lines that are about that long on the map, and they don't look that far from where you want to go. But it doesn't say anything other than, look, this looks like a, a short road to get there. Make a long story short, we took that road because it was a shortcut. It was a detour from the main road. But that detour took us, it was only 30 miles. It took us four hours because it was a logging road. It was all dirt and gravel. And I could go barely 10 to 15 miles an hour because it was full of holes and rocks and gravel. And it started getting dark, and it started... My gas tank was about a quarter of a tank, and I'm going, oh, God, don't let me run out of gas. Nobody would find me for days, probably. And then it started getting dusk, and Kathy's thinking Sasquatch is going to come out of the bushes, and and it's a deep forest, and they're in Oregon. Oh, man, I was freaking out, but I was trying to... Anyway, I finally got off of the road, and I get to the gas station and get gas, and I was talking to the guy. He says, what in the world were you doing on that road? I go... I said, on the map, it looks short. He says, that's a logging road, and that's a very dangerous road. Well, anyway, that's, again, you don't know what are on these little detours that you decide to take. And and the same with Samson. There's a lot of potential problems when you take these detours from the will of God. And, this, and Samson discovered that fact when he took that detour from God's path for him. Notice, he encountered a lion on that road. We experience problems whenever we're following God's path just as it is. You know, we, 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 we experience problems even doing the will of God, and we expect that. The Bible tells us. But how much more are we going to experience difficulties and problems when we walk away or walk off of the path of God? Peter said in 1 Peter 5 be sober. That is, be aware, be awake. Be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour seeking whom he may devour. The word Satan means adversary, and the word devil means the accuser, the, the slanderer, and Satan is a dangerous enemy. The Bible says he's a serpent, and he can bite us when we least expect it. The Bible says he's a destroyer. In Revelation 12, 11, we hear the term Abaddon and Apollyon. They both mean destruction. The Bible says he's an accuser, and he has great power, he has intelligence, and he has a host of demons who help him in his attacks against God's people. He is a powerful enemy. He's a formidable enemy, and we must never joke about him or think about him as a joke. We must not ignore him or underestimate what he can do. The Bible said Paul said that he can transform himself into an angel of light, So we need to put on the mind of Christ. We need to have our minds under control when it comes to our conflict with Satan. Satan hangs out and scores big time on the path of those who are disobedient. He's just waiting for you to take that detour. They're like a weak animal who take that detour, who take that that wrong path. They're like a weak animal that the lion is looking for and waiting for when they leave God's path. You can't walk down the road of rebellion without sooner or later coming face to face with a lion that will threaten or devour you. And unless God comes to your rescue like he did here with Samson, he'll eat you up. Look at verse 6 again. And the Spirit of the Lord... Notice, came mightily upon him, that is Samson, and Samson tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. That's the grace of God. By the grace of God, Samson escaped death from that lion in the vineyard where he shouldn't have been by killing the lion with, with, with the help of supernatural strength that was characteristic of his life but it was God who gave him that that supernatural strength. And it says Samson was able able to tear this lion apart like somebody would a baby goat. Samson was miraculously delivered from the lion. You see, you you can't see this escape as being anything else but a miracle. His strength came upon him as a result of the Spirit of God coming upon him and performing a miracle of strength through him. So when the lion came at Samson, God instantly bestowed upon Samson a great miracle of strength. And Samson isn't alone in being delivered by a miracle. Every one of us who are saved are saved by the greatest miracle of all, and that is salvation through the new birth in Jesus Christ. And many deliverances that we experience in our life can be credited to God's miracle working power, whether we're aware of it or not. And we also see God's mercy in Samson's escape from death. Because again, Samson was not where he was supposed to be. He was in the forbidden vineyard. He was heading for another wrong place, Timnah, the home of the Philistine girl. He didn't deserve to be rescued. And yet God in his mercy delivered Samson by giving him the supernatural strength to kill that lion. Man, mercy is always involved when it comes to delivering us from dangers that we get ourselves into because of our disobedience. The psalmist said in Psalm 117, verse 1 and 2, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, or praise him, all you peoples, for his merciful kindness is great towards us. Great towards us, and it is. Now, Somebody might say, because the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, then it was, a, it, it was, it was justification for, for what Samson did. You know, like, well, well, the Lord blessed him. God gave him strength to kill that. So, you know, it, it was a justification for, for Samson being there. Well, not so. Some people look at, look at Samson's walk through the vineyard as it was just an innocent trip. And the Spirit of God? coming upon samson to deliver him for his wrongdoing hey that does not justify what samson did any more than the spirit of god coming upon the sinner in salvation justifying the past sins of the convert what it does show us is how amazing the grace of god truly is the deliverance should have brought samson to his senses because he just had a very close call with death It should have stirred up his conscience about his disobedience and and his unspiritual ways and say, thank you, Lord, and get him back on the right path. And you know why God God is so good to us? The goodness of God is meant to cause us to repent. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Instead of wiping us out on the spot, judging us for our sin immediately, he's kind to us. He's tolerant. He's patient to a certain extent because he doesn't want any man to perish. And instead of giving the Jews special treatment from God, the blessing that they received from Him gave them greater responsibility to obey Him and glorify Him. And that's with any of us. In God's goodness, God had given Israel great material and spiritual riches. God gave Israel a wonderful land. He gave them a righteous law. He gave them a temple and He gave them a priesthood. Again, God's heavenly care and many more blessings. God gave them all of that. God had patiently put up with Israel's many sins and rebellions. And he even sent them, his son, to be their Messiah. And even after Israel crucified Jesus, God gave the nation nearly 40 more years of grace and withheld his judgment. It's not the judgment of God that leads men to repentance. It's the goodness of God. But you know what? Israel did not repent. And how many people have experienced the goodness of God in their lives? God's blessed them with things and still don't recognize God. Don't give him the glory and the credit. Samson was so filled with the spirit of disobedience that he never caught on. He never recognized that his deliverance from the lion was an act of God's grace. And he should have learned from this escape that he was in the wrong place and he needed to change his ways in more more ways than one. Now, even though in this great act of God's mercy, this supernatural strength that Samson was given, he still was not deterred from the evil path that he was on. And neither did the mercies of God lead him to repentance. So what happens? Samuel continued down that evil road. He continued to travel down the wrong path, and eventually he suffered the consequences for it. We'll see later on in our studies. And unfortunately, there are way too many people like Samson who ignore the lessons that God's goodness teaches us. And they also, sooner or later, experience great judgment, which they could have avoided if they had taken God's goodness and God's word seriously. Verse 6 tells us also that Samson didn't tell his father or mother what he had done in killing the lion. Now, some also think that he was being modest. Look at verse 6 again. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord came came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. Notice, but he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. And as I was saying, this it may sound like Samson was being, oh, I didn't want to tell mom and dad what I had done, how I killed this lion, you know. You know, he was, you know. He didn't tell them that he killed the lion because, you see, in killing that lion, he defiled himself. It says in Leviticus eleven twenty seven, 27, at least until the evening. And you see, if he'd have told his mom and dad that in killing that lion, he defiled himself, maybe his mom and dad wouldn't have continued with the proceedings for the wedding. You know, involving the business of his marriage proposals. If his parents found out, because you see, they were godly people, and they would have known this law in Leviticus 11, that you were not to touch a dead carcass. They would know the law. So you see, Samson kept it to himself. He wanted to see his girlfriend without any restrictions. He didn't want anyone interfering with what he wanted to do. And he didn't care if his uncleanness defiled his parents. Because, you see, it was all about himself. And when you stray away from the Word of God and you stray from the path that God has put you on, you don't care about anybody else. Look back in the old days. I I really didn't care about anybody else. It was all about me. What I wanted, what I wanted to do. I wanted to have fun. When we find pleasure, what we find pleasure in it says a lot about our character. The obedient Christian will experience a lot of pleasure in the word of God and in truth and in righteousness in things that have to do with God. We'll find, I mean, you know, I look at the old days when I wasn't believer versus the days that, that I've been saved. And, and I, you know, I've, I, I can't even explain the pleasures that I have found being a Christian, being in Christ. On the other hand, the disobedient person, the one that rebels against God and God's way, they won't have much pleasure at all in things that are good, and things that are moral, and things that have to do with God. Samson took great pleasure in defiled honey. He liked honey. He liked bee honey, and he liked his Philistine honey. But they were both defiled. His Philistine honey was eventually his downfall. You see, defiled honey is the downfall of a lot of people. And that defiled honey, it can be anything. It's one of Satan's favorite traps. And we need to watch out for defiled honey because, you see, it can and will will quickly corrupt you. Honey is sweet and it's good, but only if it's undefiled. Samson's first trip to Timnah with his parents was for them to negotiate the the marriage proposal of his Philistine girlfriend, whom God said, you know, Samson's not to marry. God forbid it because she she was a heathen, you know, based on God's law. She was not from the family of God. But Samson didn't seem to care about what God's word said. He didn't care about what his parents said. And he, wouldn't, he wasn't going to allow anything to stop his pursuit of her. Not even remembering, hey, I'm a Nazarite. And I took a vow to God. His judgment and his conscience was being dulled, de- being desensitized by his wants, by his desires for her. Look at verse 7. Then he went down and he talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. So the conversation that he had with his Philistine girlfriend, hey, it was a whole lot different than his conversation with his parents when he basically commanded his parents to go down to Timnah and get her for him. Samson's parents were against the marriage. And they let him know that that they were not happy about him marrying this girl. But Samson didn't care. He adamantly demanded, you go down there and you get her for my wife. So it was a very pleasant conversation for Samson or his parents. What his parents said to him didn't make him happy. But what his Philistine girlfriend said to him, he said in verse 7, oh, he enjoyed her conversation. This shows the character of Samson and the disobedience that was in his heart. See, disobedience doesn't like when you go against its desires. Disobedience finds joy in the things that are forbidden, but sooner or later, they're going to destroy you. And then on Samson's second trip to Timnah, he took a little detour, as we've already learned, leaving his parents behind, just like the first trip, and he took this private trip into the vineyards of Timnah. Now look at verses 8 through 9. After some time, when he returned to get her, he turned aside, notice to see the carcass of the lion and behold a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion and he took some of it in his hands and he went along eating and when he came to his father and mother he gave some to them and they also ate but he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. What Samson did here, it shows his disobedience and what he finds pleasure in. There are a lot of people who don't think what Samson did here was a big problem. But again, they don't take into consideration what the Bible says. A lot of times we justify our wrongdoing by thinking it's not that big a deal. I'm not hurting anybody. It's just me. But again, we have to take into consideration. What does the word of God say? Listen to numbers 6, 6 through 8. Speaking of a Nazarite. Of which, again, uh, Samson was a Nazarite. He took the vow. It says, all the days that he, okay, the Nazarite, separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body. He shall not make himself unclean even for his father or his mother, for his brother or his sister. And when they die, because his separation of God is on his head, all the days of his separation, he shall be holy to the Lord. So he said, no matter whether it's your mother, or your father, you are not to touch a dead body. And again, in the wisdom of God, you know, in, in dead bodies, depending on how long they've, they've been dead, you know, it, it can, there can form decay and, and bacteria and all these kinds of things. And, and so it makes you unclean. It, it, you're defiled. And then look at Leviticus eleven seven. 7. It says "And whatever goes on its paws, now he's talking about animals. First he talked about dead human bodies. Now whatever goes on its paws, all, among all kinds of animals that go on all fours, Those are unclean to you. And whoever touches any such carcass shall be unclean until evening. Whoever carries any such carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. It is unclean to you. So the scripture is clear. Whether it's a human body or an animal body. If it's dead, don't touch it. The lion belonged in the unclean category. It was an unclean animal for the Israelite. So you see, when you put these two verses together, you'll see that Samson's rebellious character when it comes to eating the honey, he took it out of this dead lion's carcass. The dead body of an animal was unclean. So Samson made himself unclean in getting the honey because he would have to go near the carcass, touch the carcass to get the honey out of it. But you see, all the defilement involved didn't stop Samson from enjoying the forbidden honey. And like a lot of people today, they say, I'm not going to let some old Bible verse or some some commandment of God keep me from having a good time in life. For Samson, it was more important to enjoy enjoy the sweetness, this sweetness from the unholy things of God, rather than enjoy holiness from the things of God. That's the way it is when you're in rebellion to God's word. It will not keep you, when you're in rebellion with God's word, it won't keep you from enjoying unclean things. But as we're going to see before Samson's story is over, we're going to see the curse of defiled honey on his life and how it, def- and how it defiled a pleasure it does to somebody. Now, for bees to put honey in the body of a dead animal is not normal. And, and, that's, a good, and that's a good reason for people to doubt what the Bible says here about this particular story because it's not normal. It's not possible, but we need, and we need to know that. It's not impossible, I should say, and we need to know that, you know, again, anything is possible with God, and when he's moving and he's working and he's carrying out you know, uh, his way, he can do anything to bring about his, his, his will. God does the impossible. All things are possible with God. So in normal conditions, for, for bees to put their honey in a dead carcass, that wasn't, that wasn't normal. And in constant high, hot, and dry weather conditions in the area where Samson lived and traveled, the lion carcass could quickly become an acceptable hive for bees. Now, Carl Frederick Keel, who was a 19th century theologian, uh, quotes scholars, who say that in this kind of weather, you know, again, constantly hot and dry... He said the heat of a sultry season will often dry up all the moisture of men or camels or lions too that have fallen dead within 24 hours of their death without them passing into a state of decomposition and decay so that they remain for a long time like mummies without change and without stench. In a carcass dried up in this way, a swarm of bees might form their hive there. Just, as well, just like they would do in the hollow uh, uh, trunks or, or trees or clefts in the rocks or where wild bees are accustomed to form them. In spite of the fact, these bees avoid both death bodies and carrion. So the critics don't have any reason to believe or to think that this, truth, this story is not true. Verse 9 again. He took some of it with his hands and went along eating and when he came to his father and mother he gave some to them and they also ate but he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. So Samson takes this honey. He's already defiled himself. Now he takes some of this honey from the dead carcass of the lion and he gives it to his parents. What does that tell you? That he was just being a a nice son. Here mom, dad, enjoy some honey. Now, we know that sharing, it's a good thing, and especially with your mom and dad. But this sharing that Samson did with his parents was definitely not a good thing, and it wasn't out of love for his parents, because in doing so, he defiled them. What he did was deceitful. It was a terrible thing that resulted in polluting his mom and dad, his own parents. It was a mean thing that Samson did to his parents. What Samson did here teaches us about the goal of evil people and about the craftiness of evil people. Evil people want others to do evil with them. And how many times as young people, you used to hear your mom and dad, you may hear your mom and dad, don't hang out with that group of people. Don't do this. Don't go there. Why? Because they can, that, that evil can can be, be upon you and you also get involved in that evil. Because evil people want other people to do evil things with them, and, and so Samson wasn't happy eating the defiled honey by himself. So he brings some of this honey to his parents to get them to eat with them, to eat some of it too. But he would bring him down to uh, bring them down to his level. What Samson did showed no care or respect for his parents. He just straight up deceived them, and it was mean giving them the defiled honey. So what Samson did to his parents, it should be a warning to us about about who we have as friends. There's a great danger in having the wrong kind of friends. If Samson's parents had taken a tougher stand with their son and refused to go to Philistia with disobedient and and rebelling Samson, they wouldn't have had been defiled. Evil people come across nice and friendly. They come across as friends but they're not really a friend when they encourage you to do things that are wrong and go to places that defile you. These people are people that we don't need and shouldn't trust as friends. Even professing Christians, if they're living in a worldly backslidden life, they're not good people to have as friends because they will also try to pollute you. Backsliders will try to drag others down to their polluted low spiritual level. This helps them to quiet their guilty conscience. It helps them to feel better about their wrongdoing. 2 Thessalonians 3, 6. Listen to what Paul said. We command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the, to the tradition which he received from us. Now, hear, when you hear what I just said before this verse, you say, oh, well, that's not very godly. That's not very loving. Where's the love? Paul said, withdraw from those people even though they're a brother if they're walking disorderly and not according to the tradition that that you receive from us. 1 Corinthians 5.11, listen to what Paul said. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother. He says, don't keep company with anyone who says they're a Christian who is sexually immoral, covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner. Not even to eat with such a person. Now, these are the kind of verses that people don't like to hear. But in the view of Samson's behavior in defiling his parents with defiled honey, it, it should make us appreciate Paul's warning and, to, and really take it to heart. Samson didn't tell his parents that he got the honey from the, the, the body of a dead lion. And of course, he didn't tell them because, you see, that honey was defiled. And if he had told the truth to his parents, they might have thought twi- twice about eating it. So Samson carefully and quietly hid the truth from his parents about the honey being defiled. He made it look like he was being a very thoughtful, very generous son and bringing his parents some delicious honey. Here you go, Mom. Here you are, Dad. So in closing, Revelation 12, 9 says, The great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old calling the devil, Called call the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Satan is a liar and he's a deceiver. And how deceitful evil men are in, in pushing their deceitful and polluted products, presenting them as good, sweet, nice, and good for you. We see their advertisements on TV. They make them look so good for you. But they don't tell you about the corruption and the death behind them. The alcohol, the drugs, the way to have a good time, living it up. The deceiver never tells you its product is deadly. And that it robs and ruins and kills you. Now there's, again, are some people who look at Samson's sharing of the honey with his parents. And they look at, oh, what a, what a good son. What a nice son. But again, when you measure it through the scriptures, you see the truth. Also, there are some who, people who look at Samson's sharing of the honey with his parents as an example of how we should share the gospel. And we should, but after seeing the wickedness of Samson's sharing, we have to surely see why this text truly doesn't illustrate how we should share the gospel with others. Not in a deceiving manner. But it does show us how some false religions and false uh, uh, religious leaders operate. They would give the appearance of of offering a good gospel. But in truth, their fake gospel is defiled and they're defiled as well. And we kind of saw that this morning with Paul in Galatians chapter two. We need to know God's word, the measuring rod against evil and what's not good. And, And again, measure everything against the word of God. So that we know we're doing right and that we're on the right path with God. Father, we thank you once again for the wonderful lessons, God, in these, in these, in these individuals, God, that we study. As we dig deeper into the scriptures, Lord, and into the background and the character, we see that that these are people that, that you use, God, and what's what really great to see is is The humanness of them, Lord. Father, their failures as well as their achievements, God. Lord, help us to learn how to achieve in the right ways, God. According to your word and according to your will. And help us not to do the things, God, that would defile us and defile others. So, Father, we thank you so much for your word. We just thank you so much, God, for the lessons that you teach us, Lord. So help us now to walk and to move in the ways of the Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.